WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. A former nurse from South Haven who was convicted of second-degree murder in the death of a patient has had her nursing license permanently revoked. The Office of Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel says 43-year-old Judith Sobel was on meth when a 3-year-old Coloma Township girl died in her care. The girl needed a ventilator, and the child's parents discovered Sobel incoherent and the child unresponsive with her trachea tube disconnected in June 20th of last year. Sobel was convicted by a Berrien County jury of second-degree murder and in May of this year was sentenced to 30 to 75 years in prison. On behalf of the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, the Attorney General issued an administrative complaint against Sobel to permanently revoke her nursing license. The Board of Nursing Disciplinary Subcommittee issued an order doing so in November. Nestle says the move helps to protect the integrity of the nursing profession. Market Van Buren has secured a $50,000 grant from the state to conduct a housing study in Van Buren County. Group director Zach Morris tells us he's heard from business owners across the county the shortage of housing is affecting their ability to hire. Business leaders have stated that the biggest challenge they have with attracting workers to some of our rural communities is that when they are driving up to 30 minutes away, first time they get a comparable job offer back closer to where they live, they're accepting it because then they don't have to drive 30 minutes. Morris says that housing of all kinds is needed, whether it's affordable apartments or houses for families. He's spoken with developers to ask that they construct housing in the county, and they want empirical data that there's a demand. That's why the study's being done. Market Van Buren is teaming up with Van Buren County for it. What we do is at about $100,000 expense to get the study done. So we went to the county, and Van Buren County helped us with the other $50,000. Morris says the housing shortage is partly the result of baby boomers living longer than previous generations. While that's not a bad thing, it does mean housing for younger generations is scarce. This is the first such study done in the county, and it should be finished by the end of summer. A grant of $150,000 is going to the city of Bridgman to renovate the restrooms at the Waco Beach Campground. The grant comes from the state's Recreation Passport Grant Program, which is funded with 10% of state Recreation Passport revenues. Bridgman Recreation Director Sarah Ball tells us uh, the restroom building at the campground is getting old and is in need of an update. We're going to steer to make this more ADA compliant in the scope when we applied for the grant is to have a designated parking space because right now we don't have one and then to make more of the stalls ADA compliant too because we only have one. Ball says visitors to Waco Beach and Bridgman deserve better accommodations. The grant is a match so the city will have to contribute another $150,000 to the project. It could get started in the next two years. The governor's office announced nearly $2 million in recreation passport grants this week. Also receiving a grant is Watson Township in Allegan County. It's getting $150,000 for development at Seven Generations Park. The Benton Harbor Planning Commission has granted its approval to Project T, a commercial and residential development planned for the site of the former Mercy Hospital. At a meeting last month, planners gave conditional approval to the site plan. Then at a meeting this week, they heard from consultant Paul Lippins the conditions have been met. We're comfortable releasing those conditions from the site plan approval process and having them part of the engineering review of the construction documents. Among other things, the Planning Commission wanted the plans for Project T to account for easements, paving materials used on streets and fencing. Project T is a $33 million development planned by Harbor Habitat and Detroit-based Renovair. It's expected to include more than 70 units, some of which will be apartments in a four-story building and others to be houses. Ground could be broken next year. 
United Through Motherhood, the group that donates diapers to organizations in need throughout southwest Michigan, has started a new drive to raise $10,000. President Ruth Kramer tells us the Frederick S. Upton Foundation has given it a $10,000 grant that comes with another $10,000 match, meaning if the goal is reached, the group will get a total of $30,000. That's enough to support operations for a full year. Kramer says they've launched Cats and Dogs for Diapers, through which you can help raise money and get your pet involved. You can nominate your dog or cat or gerbil or parakeet to be an ambassador for babies. And if that dog or cat receives $100 in donations from friends, families, and do-gooders, we will send them a diploma that looks remarkably like a college degree, and it will say ambassador for babies and your pet's name on it. Kramer says the pets are also registered to win gift cards from local businesses. Neighbor by Neighbor in Union Pier is one of United Through Motherhood's partner groups. Director Carrie Haskins tells us they serve a lot of families in need of diapers. We help people who are low income and diapers, formula, pull-ups are just not always in their budget. So they really struggle to afford these necessities. United Through Motherhood gives diapers by the thousands to 10 organizations in Berrien and Van Buren counties. You can donate or enter your pet into the Cats and Dogs for Diapers contest online. We have a link at our website. The United Way of Southwest Michigan is now taking nominations for its Volunteer Leadership Awards and Youth Scholarships. United Way Marketing Manager Jennifer Tomshak says the group will hold an evening of gratitude in April to announce the winners and salute those who step forward to improve their community. We know how often these people are unsung heroes in our community who do so much to help other people. And we want to lift up at least a few. They all deserve to be lifted up, but we want to at least recognize some of the really remarkable people. They're seeking nominations for the Margaret B. Upton Volunteer Leadership Award. We're looking for someone who has a long history of service, who's done a diversity of different experiences with multiple organizations, or perhaps has made a significant contribution to a single organization. Tom Shack says they're also looking for nominations for the Judge Susan L. Dobrik Volunteer Leadership Award for Cass County, also seeking someone who has a long record of service in the community. Additionally, high school seniors are invited to apply themselves for Volunteer United Youth Scholarship Awards of $1,000. One will be awarded for each county the United Way of Southwest Michigan serves. We'll have a link to the nomination pages at our website. Workers in Michigan, like servers and bartenders, up to a minimum wage that's the same as all other workers in the state. John Selleck is with Save MI Tips. Their ability to earn way more than the minimum wage is going to be dashed. They're going to be placed at the same minimum wage as everyone else. And they feel that at that point, customers will think, okay, our current deal, where we know that you were tipped based on how hard you work for us, how knowledgeable you are about the food, how fun and friendly you are, how much you know hospitality is given. That deal will be thrown out the window and you will suddenly be a minimum wage worker just as if you were a cashier. The Michigan Supreme Court will hear arguments Thursday. It's considering a 2018 ballot initiative that would have gradually raised the minimum wage for tipped workers to the same level as the general minimum wage. Because the minimum wage as of January of next year will only be 10.33 an hour, that would represent a major pay cut for many restaurant servers. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. There's no further threat to the community after a shooting at UNLV this afternoon. That's the update from police who report that the shooter is now dead. ABC's Alex Stone has more on the heightened security concerns in the hours after the shooting. Harry Reid International Airport has a ground stop right now. Aircraft not allowed to leave for Las Vegas. We don't believe they're departing out of Las Vegas either at this point because the airport is so close to what's unfolding. Uh, we know that there were police helicopters over the area. One of the reasons why they did the ground stop. 
Israeli forces are battling Hamas militants across Gaza in intense fighting that's prevented the distribution of vital aid in much of the territory and brought some of the devastation and mass displacement seen in the north to the south. As the focus of the ground offensive moves down the Gaza Strip and into the second largest city of Khan Yunus, it's further shrinking the area where Palestinians can seek safety and pushing large numbers of people toward the sealed-off border with Egypt. On the Gaza side of the border, makeshift shelters and family homes are already overflowing and many are sleeping in the streets. ABC's Inez de la Quetera has more from Tel Aviv. The IDF very much pressing on in southern Gaza. We understand they are now in the heart of Khan Yunus. They say that Hamas militants in Khan Yunus were instrumental in terms of planning out the October 7th terror attacks. Khan Yunus is especially important because it is the hometown of two of Hamas's top leaders. The IDF won't say whether they believe those two leaders to actually be in Khan Yunus, but there were reports earlier today that they had encircled the home of Yahya Sinwar, who is the top Hamas leader there in Gaza. Norman Lear has died. The producer who made a TV topical in the 1970s with the sitcom All in the Family passed away Tuesday night at the age of 101. All in the Family starred, starred Carol O'Connor as a diehard conservative Archie Bunker who clashed with his liberal son-in-law over racism, feminism, and the Vietnam War. It was one of a string of TV hits for Lear and then-partner Bud Yorkin that also included Maud and the Jeffersons. Lear's series reflected his political beliefs, which he put into action by founding the nonprofit liberal advocacy group People for the American Way. President Biden has delivered remarks at the White House to urge lawmakers to pass more funding for Ukraine. GOP lawmakers say they'll only support the bill if it includes Trump-era restrictions on immigration and asylum seekers. More from ABC's Karen Travers. President Biden said funding for Ukraine cannot wait, framing it as a critical national security issue and calling on Congress to take action before lawmakers leave for the holidays. Frankly, I think it's stunning that we've gotten to this point in the first place. While Congress, Republicans in Congress are willing to give Putin the greatest gift he could hope for and abandon our global leadership, <clears throat> not just in Ukraine, but beyond that. The president said history will, quote, judge harshly those who vote against funding for Ukraine, saying they're turning their back on freedom's cause. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Former President Donald Trump is urging supporters to guard the vote during next year's election, a phrase that set off alarm bells among pro-democracy groups who say it signals permission to his followers to take extreme measures. The phrase is a relatively novel one for Trump. Activists on the right have been setting the groundwork for it to be deployed more widely. Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, has spent months repeating the phrase, and Victor Mellor, a close Flynn associate, told the Associated Press he's been setting up a new group called Guard the Vote. He said it would absolutely not encourage violence. Four Republican candidates will be on stage tonight for the fourth GOP presidential debate. Once again, former President Trump is choosing to skip the debate. It'll be held at the University of Alabama. Here's ABC's Rick Klein. We're here on a college campus, University of Alabama. So it's a, an apt place to talk about the fact that you're talking about the likeliest candidates for president who are in their late 70s and early 80s. Now, the men and women on that stage tonight in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, that is a big difference. And of course, squaring up against Joe Biden is part of that. But I think there's a more subtle argument that they can make against Donald Trump that it's time for someone with a fresh perspective and a new generation to start to take over. Ten Republicans who posed as fake electors for former President Donald Trump in Wisconsin and filed paperwork falsely saying he had won the battleground state have settled a civil lawsuit and admitted their actions were part of an effort to overturn President Joe Biden's victory there. Attorneys who filed the case on behalf of Democrats announced the settlement Wednesday. Under the agreement, the fake electors acknowledged Biden won the state, withdrew their filings, and agreed not to serve as presidential electors in 2024 or any other election where Trump is on the ballot. 
And former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has announced he'll resign his seat from the House of Representatives, effective at the end of the year. Here's ABC's Mary Alice Parks. When Americans are facing questions on the economy, on the border, on whether there should be this additional funding for Ukraine and and Israel. Uh, We know that it's just going to get that much harder for Republicans to pass anything strictly along party lines. I mean, they're only going to have a two or three vote majority there. So in that way, yes, absolutely uh, surprising because it's just going to make things a lot harder for Republicans to do things with only Republican votes.